is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to change the station. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will bring it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly and we shall control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. And now, it's time for the radio show that covers just about every topic. Because variety is the spice of life. From the arcane and unusual to current events and practical tips. Because if it's interesting, they'll be talking about it. And now, here's Bill and Allison Mancaro. Good morning, Hill Country. Good morning. 908, Saturday morning. I am Bill. And I am Allison. And we are sometimes wrong. But we're always right. Right. Exactly. I have to announce that I am myself because sometimes people call our our house and they think they're talking to Bill. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they don't, when they talk to me, they don't think they're talking to you. So that's, that's something. But you do have a... Sexy voice, you do, which goes with the rest of you. Thank you. Our verse of the morning is John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. As Christ said, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Very comforting words from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There was a uh, notice at a church that I read about the, the other day. Uh, As you walk in, it says, it's possible that on entering this church, you may hear the call of God. On the other hand, it is not likely that he will contact you by phone. Thank you for turning off your phone. If you would like to talk to God, come in, choose a quiet place, and talk to him. If you would like to see him, send him a text while driving. (laughs) Well, well, I I have a, a, a man checked into a hotel. Yeah. There was a computer in his room, so he decided to send an email to his wife. He accidentally typed the wrong email address. And without realizing, he sent the mail to a widow who had just returned from her husband's funeral. The widow decided to check her mail, expecting condolence messages from relatives and friends. After reading the first message, she fainted. Her son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen, which read, To my loving wife, I know you are surprised to hear from me. They have computers here, and we are allowed to send emails to loved ones. I've just checked in. How are you and the kids? The place is really nice, but I'm lonely here. I've made necessary arrangement for your arrival tomorrow. Expecting you, darling. I can't wait to see you. (laughs) I didn't know that. I haven't heard that one. Oh, my gosh. Well, it does remind me. I think I mentioned this last week. I went to a... uh, I had to go to a funeral out of town, and I didn't know where the, it was a graveside service, I, I didn't know where the cemetery was, so I set my GPS up, and pretty disturbing, because as I drove into the cemetery, it said, you have reached your final destination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. 9-11 is our Hill Country Patriot time. Coming up on the show, by the way, Allison's connection to Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, how about that? Kind of creepy. That makes me <laughs> creep out. A network broadcaster admits their job is to control what you think. She absolutely admitted that. We have it on tape or audio or whatever. Whatever the whatever we, we have it on vinyl. We have it on the telegraph. Computer. Uh in Texas, hospitals have the right to kill you even if you are conscious and object to it. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know it until recently. And we have, uh, we're going to talk about the Echo Hill Camp for Gold Star Kids and a lot more. But right now, let's talk about Texas history. Uh, in 1836, this week, Texas forces won the Battle of San Jacinto, the concluding military event of the Texas Revolution. Uh, and there's a lot to that, and I'm sure a lot of people know about that, especially Texans. I don't know if we still teach Texas history. We used to in school. I, I hope didn't we still school do. in Texas, so I don't know. I hope we I, still. I, th- teach I think it. most states do. Yeah, most states should teach Texas history. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I went to school in Ohio, and we had Ohio history. A lot of people don't know that battle lasted 18 minutes. Wow. Uh, 630 Mexicans were killed. 730 were taken prisoners. Nine Texans were killed, and uh, 30 were wounded. Uh, so that was quite a rout. Also in uh, 1906 this week, Frank Hamer enlisted in the Texas Rangers. Uh, He was born in Fairview, and uh, he joined the Texas Rangers, uh, and he is most famous for organizing a posse to track down Bonnie and Clyde, the outlaws. After a three-month search, he and his men shot and killed them near Gibsland, Louisiana, and Alice and I have been there and seen the site. We have. And the Congress awarded... uh, Frank Hamer, a special citation for stopping Bonnie and Clyde. And he lived in Austin until he passed away in 1955. Oh, wow. Now, Allison, we promised the scary story of <laughs> my, how... My, you, my family connection to Bonnie and Clyde. Your family connection to Bonnie and Clyde, <laughs> exactly. Ooh. Well, actually, it's not really funny. but No, it isn't funny. My, my cousin, Eugene Moore, um, was the first lawman killed by Clyde Barrow. And Bonnie was not there at the time, but there, some of his other gang members were. Um, but it was August fifth, nineteen thirty-two, in Stringtown, Oklahoma, and he was uh, he was a deputy sheriff. And uh, Gene, who was the deputy and the sheriff, were called out to a dance because <gasps> people were drinking. Oh my gosh! Alcohol, alcohol, no less. Yeah. So 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 the the sheriff and his deputy came out, and it was Clyde and his gang, and they they shot him. They shot him. Shot him dead. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't cheat. They didn't kill both of them. though, just your cousin, right? Correct. The, the sheriff was injured, but he, he survived. Oh, and we have been to Stringtown? Yes, we have. And we've seen there's a monument there to that yes, there is. incident? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something. Well, we were, I oh. guess, we're on the way from between Arkansas and Oklahoma City, I believe. Okay. And when we were in Gibsland, Louisiana, which is where Bonnie and Clyde were killed, we stopped at the Little Museum mm-hmm. in downtown Gibsland, run mm-hmm. by an older gentleman. And uh, we asked him uh, if he knew your cousin's name. I mean, we, we told him, are you familiar with, uh, well, I'm sorry, what's his name again? Gene, Eugene Moore. Eugene Moore. And he said, well, of course I know who Gene Moore is. He was the first uh, law officer killed by uh, Clyde Barrow. And Allison was too shy to say it, but I said, well, you can meet his cousin. Here's Allison. <laughs> and he was almost fell over. And uh, he said, we have an event once a year. Uh, There's um, a festival, Bonnie and Clyde Festival, not celebrating them. But he said, mostly a history symposium where we have authors and professors of history and things that come and give papers. And he said, uh, you should come. You would be the queen of the festival. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. We haven't, we haven't done I checked. Uh, 
not too long ago, and they didn't seem to be having it because of COVID, I guess. Right. I would, I would think that. Bill Country Patriot Time is 9.15. You're listening to Bill and Allison. And the uh, the big news this week, or one of the big news is, newses, was the mask mandate was lifted, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and we were very excited because we need to... On public transport, nationally, on, on public, pub, transportation. public transportation. Because we need to fly in, a, in about three weeks. Yeah. And we're so relieved that we don't have to wear, wear our masks anymore. But uh, Biden is looking to uh, drive his approval ratings even lower. He's trying to reverse it. <laughs> He's... He's trying to he's trying to drive his yeah he is exactly. he he is appealing it if you don't know that folks he is appealing or his administration is appealing the lifting of the mask requirement they want to put it back on yeah that's a story in Babylon B but I mean it's well, how stupid can, yeah are they completely out of touch with the American people yeah really when there there's videos of, of passengers when it was announced on on planes that were in flight folks you can take your mask off the a judge has lifted the mask mandate people were absolutely cheering yeah but they're so out of touch good. Let them do it. Let them, let them, you know, take 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 the defeat at the polls this November and hopefully two years from now. Well, you know, the news media is pushing COVID lies and jabs and masks and lockdowns and social distancing. All none of that's have any effect, and we've it's been proven none of that has any effect on the on COVID uh, on the COVID rates. Uh, different states, the the states that have had the least restrictions. You know, no mask requirement, no social distancing requirement, uh, all no lockdowns. They've done the best with uh, they've done the best in uh, um, COVID rates. Uh, they have the least numbers of, of COVID uh, COVID deaths and things like that. Uh, so the effect that it's had, though, all that stuff, is to destroy the economy. Uh, the interruption of the supply chain, massive spending of taxpayers' dollars, that all leads to shortages and inflation. Yet the media continues the lies. You know, there's a saying, how many Democrats does it take to fix a problem? Well, nobody knows because it's never happened. So now more and more people are against free speech. More and more leftists are coming out openly against free speech. Uh, you know, speech is an inalienable right because the expression of thought, it's not a, something like that is given to you by the government. It's your right because it's your right to think. And what the leftists are doing are asserting that hate speech leads to mass violence. So the left hopes to persuade Americans to relinquish their right to free speech or let the left decide what is hate speech and what is not hate speech because, well, that leads to violence. You know, it's strange indeed when America's free press opposes free speech. Uh, a New York Times op-ed recently headlined, Free Speech is Killing Us. And the author was a New Yorker magazine staff writer, he argued that hate speech leads to violence, and it can cause totalitarianism and genocide. Oh. Uh, so he says we must rethink the First Amendment, which includes government and private companies limiting, quote, hate speech. Now, that's a very interesting argument, because he's trying to persuade y you that free speech, or hate speech, let's put it in his words, hate speech leads to violence. Well, let's take a look at the facts. Some governments have already tried to outlaw what they call hate speech. The United Kingdom, for example, criminalizes it. You can go to prison, and people have, uh, for saying things the government doesn't like, particularly anti-Semitic laws. Uh, 
Nevertheless, violent anti-Semitic hate crimes are 13 more likely to occur in the UK, where they have laws against speech, hate speech, than in the U.S. France also criminalizes anti-Semitic speech, and yet violent anti-Semitic hate crimes are four times more likely to occur in France than in the United States. Even the left-wing Human Rights Watch admits that, quote, a careful review of the experience of many other countries has made it clear there is little connection in practice between draconian hate speech laws and the lessening of ethnic and racial violence or tension. So by asserting that hate speech leads to mass violence, the left hopes to persuade us to relinquish our right to free speech. And that is uh, not going to, hopefully not going to happen. Uh, as I said, it's, free speech is, is thought, is the right to think and to speak. Uh, now, here's a little piece of audio from last week's Morning Joe show on MSDNC, MSNBC. Now, nobody except uh, D.C. and New York insiders watch this program, so it takes a few days for whatever is said on MSNBC to reach the rest of us. So that's why I'm putting it on the show today. Uh, Joe and Micah Brzezinski uh, and their gaggle of hangers-on, were sitting around the table analyzing Elon Musk's move to take over Twitter and make it a free speech platform. Now, you probably know about that. He wants to take over Twitter and make it free speech. And... um, is Mika or Micah? I don't I, watch his show. I think it's Mika. Okay. I, I don't she's, watch the show. Russian, so I, th- yeah. I think it's Mika. Yeah, okay. Mika. Uh, she made a huge mistake. She admitted that they think it's the leftist media's job to tell people what to think. She said that on the air. And I've got the audio. The fact that the media brainwashes the public, which we all know, is now public in her admission. Now, here's the clip. She's talking about how dangerous, when she says he, she's talking about Elon Musk talking about how dangerous it would be for Elon Musk to allow free speech on Twitter. This is how they view their job, folks. That the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. He could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you, job. Yeah. That is if our you, job. Yeah. That is if our you, job. Yeah. Yeah. That is our job, to control how people think. And that slipped out. <laughs> and when she says undermine the messaging, she means the leftist messaging that the mainstream media drum beats out minute by minute, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, to brainwash those who still tune them in. She's terrified that free speech will, quote, undermine the messaging. Because, you know, as she admits, controlling what people think is her job. That's the job of the mainstream media. And her husband, Joe Scarborough, if you heard, gives a hearty yeah to that when she says that. So that's, your, uh, that's where we are on free speech today. They actually come out and say they're against free speech. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, of course, they're against the Second Amendment as well. We all, we all knew that, didn't we? Yeah, that's not, that's not new news. Well, also in the news this week, for those of you who were aware it even existed, CNN Plus shut down <laughs> now what is cnn after plus? we don't even know what it is yeah really? yeah it's it's it, you pay a premium to um to get cnn plus cnn regular is is free you know just like fox and fox has premium or i, I don't know what they call it but i forget i see ads for it all the time so cnn started cnn plus <laughs> shut down after three weeks chris wallace very publicly <laughs> quit fox to take a job at CNN Plus. 
Well, that was the career move of the century, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> the, the, good, good move, Chris. <laughs> well, I can hardly feel sorry for him after. Remember, he uh, um, moderated the uh, debate on yeah. Fox uh, yeah. between Biden and Trump, and was very hostile yeah, to Trump. Yeah, he, he did a terrible job. Yeah, very hostile to Trump. Well, he was he was trying to you know defeat Trump. Is what he was trying to do. Nine twenty three is our Hill Country Patriot time. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, especially when there was a 15-hour backup on I-10 in Kerrville a few months ago. Local gas stations were delivering gas to people so they could stay warm. Remember that? Yeah. 15 hours, something like 12, 15 hours people mm-hmm. were backed up? Yeah. Um, they were at a dead stop. Yeah, dead stop. Dead because, stop. Well, what happened was that the road was icy and because um, we had a sleet storm and uh, a truck, an 18-wheeler jackknifed. Oh, okay. and, and it blocked okay. um, for 12 or 15 hours, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Up to 15 hours. And now, local gas stations were giving, delivering gas to people so they could stay warm. But guess what? <laughs> if you had an electric vehicle, nobody was delivering batteries to you <laughs> or chargers. <laughs> and, and when you, you... Well, okay, let's talk about electric vehicles for a minute. One of my favorite topics. <clears throat> when you need a charge... Plan on spending about 45 minutes at the charging station? Mm-hmm. How do you like to be going cross-country and every little while you have to go to a gas station and not, not be 5, 10 minutes filling up, but 45 minutes? Yeah, I was asking, talking to a friend who lives in San Diego, and he was coming out to see us in Las Vegas. And uh, he mentioned having to, he has a Tesla. And he stopped, and I said, well, how long did that take? And he said, oh, about 45 minutes. It wasn't bad. I had some sushi and a beer. Yeah, great. Had a beer and then jumped in his car. Good plan. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, okay. And you can spend, unless you want to spend a couple thousand, three thousand dollars to have a charger installed in your garage, a high speed charger, it's going to take hours to charge off a 110 outlet. Oh, and the manufacturers say you should never fully charge it. So the mileage advertised isn't accurate. And let's say you wanted to go from, I don't know, El Paso to Kerrville or Kerrville to El Paso. You're not going to make it since the only charging station, at least since I last checked between them is in Sonora beyond the range of any electric vehicle. And then there's the fact that it takes a lot of rare earth minerals to make the batteries. And guess where they come from? They come from China. And there's the environmental damage from making the batteries in China. And then think about when they go to the landfill and everything else. I've got a, uh, we, well, we have a, an audio clip. And let me, let me explain what's going on. <clears throat> These people came by a guy stranded by the side of the road in his tesla and so they stopped and said yeah, this is not a joke this, this is not a joke no i sound like i'm setting up a joke and not and they uh, you'll hear what they say and uh he's he's stranded by the side of the road in his tesla so they pull up to see if they can help him you know do something for him because uh, you can't carry uh you know a can of uh the about said can of whoop ass but that's a uh, that's a stone cold reference you can't you can't carry a can of electricity uh for your for your battery so w- what do you do when your tesla runs out of juice and they're in the, they're in the middle of the desert somewhere yeah. uh so here's the audio clip of them talking to the guy actually somebody put it on their cell phone this is where the where the audio comes from the conversation with this guy in the tesla and the people trying to help him now there's a big problem tesla's an electric car right yeah Fully electric. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the gas is for then. Well, because if you're fully out, you gotta you gotta charge it. Okay, juice it up. Show me what you mean. Where's the gas going to go? Show me. That plugs into here, and that plugs into there, and then you're good to go. It's a weird oh system. Oh my that... 
gosh, is that a gasoline generator? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you get the electricity to drive. <laughs> you got an underpowered Tesla. You're going, bro. You, you're going. This is the weirdest. Nobody has ever run a Tesla off of gasoline like this before. All right, we'll get this thing out and let's charge it up. He's going to charge his electric car with gasoline from a Honda. Can't believe I actually helped a Tesla charge itself with gasoline. So how long is how long you need to to charge it up? Yeah, I think maybe like five minutes and then I can make it to a gas station. Make it to stop. Go to a charger. What are you? Well, that, that that was that was really a true story. That was uh, I know it sounded like Bill was setting up a joke, but but that that was a true story. And uh, we're gonna take a little break. And coming up after the break, why do cat hairs stick to clothes more than dog dog hair? Much more. Stay tuned. We're Bill and Allison, Bill Country Patriot, and first Texas, couple of TexasRadio.com. Texas, oh Texas, you're wonderful and great Boldest and grandest, withstanding every test Oh, empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed Texas, oh Texas, your freeborn single star Sends out its radiance to nations near and far Emblem of freedom, it sets our hearts aglow with thoughts of San Jacinto and glorious Alamo. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong, that you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong, that you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long. Well, welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. And I promised to tell you why cat hairs stick to your clothes more than dogs. It's because cat hair is the most electrostatic of all pet hairs. Plus, they have microscopically tiny barbs that stick to fabric. Hmm. Is that interesting? So cats are worse than dogs is what you're saying? No. <laughs> we have a cat and dog fight in our house. I'm a dog person and she's a cat person. Oh, I actually, I've, I've come to love cats. We've had a bunch of them. And That's I true. Like, they all have different personalities and they're, they're pretty cool. Some mm-hmm. are real affectionate, some are <clears throat> not. <laughs> well, I, I have a report uh, just in uh, from Kiev from Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Uh, our friend, uh, actually, he, he does uh, work for us. Uh, he lives, and he sp- still spells it K-I-E-V, not K-Y. So that's because he's Russian. Oh, okay. That's the Russian spelling. Okay. Yeah, his name is Oleg, mm-hmm. and, and his last name sounds Russian. So, mm-hmm. oh, that is inter- interesting. Yeah. Um, we, peri- we tell him to you know keep us posted on what's going on. He said, it's calm here. Many people have returned back to their homes. Um, a lot of people had fled to the west um, but now they're returning home, 
and uh, most public transportation works, he says. Uh, there are no problems with food supply. <laughs> yeah, but we, we are, we're having problems with food supply. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and no problem with uh, electricity, um, internet, uh, cell phones. Uh, many businesses are still closed. Uh, people cannot work and do not know what to expect in the future. Yeah. And Oleg, I, I assume it, what he does for us is on a c- computer, so I assume he works out, out of his home. I'm sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he does. Yeah. 9.35 is our Hill Country Patriot time this morning with Bill and Allison. A recent analysis from the nonpartisan Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center estimated that 57% of Americans paid no taxes last year. Mm-hmm. Almost 60% of people pay no taxes. So they don't have any skin in the game, is what it amounts to. Uh, when uh, And when you're, you're you know, uh, Senator, when you, when you don't have skin in the game, but you get to vote, by the way, on whether taxes should right. be raised or not. Yeah. I, you know, that's always stuck in my craw, especially on the local level. Uh, we own some rental property in the city of Kerrville, but we don't live in the city. We live in the county. We can't vote in the city of Kerrville about whether or not our own taxes should be raised or not. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think it's outrageous. It should yeah. be. If you own property in a exactly. in a community, you should be able to vote on at least on on tax issues. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, 60% of people, essentially no household making less than 28000 paid federal income tax last year, nor will a majority, about 75%, will not pay of those making between twenty eight and $55,000. Uh, so Senator Rick Scott introduced a bill saying everybody should pay something, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. only a few dollars. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been opposed by both Democrats and Republicans. It's going nowhere. Wow. But everybody should have, have skin in the game. Uh, another topic to discuss is uh, President Biden's 40-year high inflation. Uh, it's here to stay, apparently, despite the White House claiming for months that it was temporary and transitory. It's going to cost consumers, uh, the average consumer, an extra $5,200 this year, or $433 a month, the average person. Uh, it's already cost consumers, according to Wharton School of Business, it's already cost consumers an estimated $3,500 last year. And, of course, that impacts low-income families the hardest. Uh, and it's caused by Biden. Uh, it's caused by his incredible spending. It's not caused, uh, by, it's not caused by Putin? Uh, well, that's what they say. Well, first of all, they said uh, there is no inflation. Biden's administration says, his caretaker said, there is no inflation at all. Uh, and then they, they said, well, yeah, there is inflation, but it's temporary. And then they switched and said, well, it's good, because that shows a strong economy. People are buying a lot of stuff, and prices go up in competition. And when none of those flies, those were all flew like a lead balloon, uh, inflation was caused by Putin. That was the, that was the overriding uh, messaging of the administration. It was all caused by Putin. We understand Putin's war against the people of Ukraine is causing prices to rise. Putin's price hike. People already... Already feeling Putin's price hikes at the pump. We have to address the Putin price hike. Putin's tax, that's, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. The Putin price hike at home. He is uh, doing everything he can to combat Putin's price hike here at home. Vladimir Putin is the one responsible. A lot of it has to do with Vladimir Putin because of the actions of President Putin. Honey, did you go grocery shopping like you said you would? Uh, that's, uh, that's Putin's fault, babe. Groceries cost too much since, uh, Putin's price hike. 
And you didn't fill up the car with gas either. It's almost empty. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Putin too, you know, because he uh, he made the thing with the he made it expensive. So you just stayed home all day and did nothing instead? Look at this mess! What do you have to say for yourself? That's Putin too. What do you mean? And, and why is this sink full of dishes? Putin. What are you talking about? How is any of this Putin's fault? Uh, you know, Putin, the president of Russia, which is a big country, and then he invaded Ukraine, which is a small country, thereby causing all the world's problems right now. So everything that you're seeing right now, everything, all this, this all, Putin. It's all his fault. What does that have to do with any of this? Well, I just told you. Okay, it's the passage of time. The man's crazy, okay? He's gone completely mad, causing the entire world to suffer. So if you can be mad at anybody right now, I just think you should be mad at Putin. What's the deal with this pile of laundry then? Looks like Vladimir hasn't been Putin his clothes away. And this trash hasn't been taken out in weeks. That's Putin's garbage pile. And you haven't mowed the lawn in months. Neither has Vladimir Putin. <laughs> well, also, this this just in from uh, Texas A&M's Public Relations Office. They released this statement. After just seven months in office, probably closer to nine you now, Americans have rated President Biden the sixth best president ever. Here are the details on the ratings. Oh, is that possible? <laughs> Number one, Reagan, Lincoln, Trump tied for first. Number two, 23 presidents tied for second. Number three, 17 other presidents tied for third. Four, Jimmy Carter came in fourth. Fifth. Barack Hussein Obama, and number six, Joe Biden. <laughs> ah, there you go. How about that? Well, c- coming up, we, we have an interview uh, with Marcy Friedman, who, our very own Marcy Friedman, lives here in Kerrville, and she's a director of the uh, Echo Hill uh, Gold Star Camp for Kids, which... Kinky's, Kinky's uh, sister. Baby sister. And their uh, camp starts in June, and uh, we hope... We hope that you will support it. Well, we're here with Marcy Friedman today. Uh, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't you tell us something about your background? Well, I'm currently an active duty foreign service officer. So I've been a member of the uh, diplomatic corps for the last 18 years. And I've had a number of assignments, including in West Africa, in Afghanistan, in Vietnam, along the U.S.-Mexico border in a number of assignments related to a pre- and post-conflict areas. Well, born of these experiences, plus an opportunity that I had to spend a year at Fort Bragg at the National Defense University, I decided, along with Kinky, that we should look at bringing Echo Hill back, bring it back to life, and bring it back as a non-profit camp for children from Gold Star families and children of fallen first responders. So Gold Star children, sometimes they call it the club that nobody wants to be in, That means they've lost a parent in service to the country. So our idea was to uh, reach out and help support uh, this group of children uh, so that they could have a positive, fun, and relaxing camp experience at no cost to their surviving family members. And I understand everyone at the camp, working at the camp, is a volunteer. That's right. That's exactly right. Everybody is a volunteer. Now, I understand also uh, children of uh, first responders. Yes. Our first summer, we started out also to include children of fallen first responders. So that's uh, paramedics, uh, firemen, and police officers. So we hope to be able to continue to expand that in the future. And what kinds of things do the kids do? 
So uh, the ranch is on 266 beautiful acres out in our beautiful Texas Hill Country. So the children have horses, horses and go horseback riding because you can't have a camp without horses, you know. Uh, we have a beautiful um, spring-fed river that comes above ground about a mile and a half on the property. So the children have both swimming classes and also time where they can with lifeguard just relax and enjoy the water. There's a lot of nature-oriented activities, hiking, uh, stargazing, uh, hiking in the river, all kinds of activities that uh, you do when you're out of doors, when you have that opportunity. And of course, very popular with the children are arts and crafts. So the, the old-fashioned, uh, you know, making friendship bracelets, lanyards, um, archery is very popular, some of the other sports, softball, basketball, tennis, and so on. What, what are the age ranges of the kids? So we're fundamentally a junior age camp. So the average age would be between 8 and 13. And we also found there was a great need for, what to, what for families what to do when your child is, say, 15 to 17, or 14 to 17. So we uh, restarted our leadership training program. And that way the children come in that age range and they can have a good time at camp, but also begin to be trained and learn some of the skills in caring for younger children. And in fact, one of our campers from last summer is going to come back as a volunteer counselor this summer. Well, I understand too that uh, there's no cost, and I think you mentioned that uh, to, to yes. the families. Right. Uh, and what, from what I understand, that includes transportation, the favorite transportation? Yes. Uh, about 85% of the children last summer came from around the Texas area. 15% came uh, divided up, I think, 12 different states. And that is because we wanted to accommodate children that were being referred, for example, the Marine Recon Foundation, Marine Reconnaissance Foundation, or the Explosive Ordnance Disposal, the Bomb Squad Guys, Warrior Foundation. So if there's a child that we think the need is very strong and they're in North Carolina or they're in California or New York or Oklahoma, we didn't want them to automatically be excluded. We had uh, uh, several uh, key military volunteers in from the beginning, mostly uh, my fellow uh, colleagues and students from the National Defense University. And they were able to reach out to military groups for the recruitment of the campers. And I think that's a very important, I'm glad y'all raised that, because only 1% of the current U.S. population has any engagement at all with the military. And for us to go out to this new group and try to have some credibility, it was going to have to be through the military. And while we have ways our military colleagues can confirm whose who's father, or it could be a mother too, but so far it's been fathers with us, is a gold star eligible, uh, these organizations know their own populations. They know their families very well. Some of them care for them from infancy up through college. And what we found was that there's no really, we couldn't find any of the programs like ours. So it was a very nice fit, and that's how we identified the children. Well, if people are interested in helping, uh, I'm sure you would appreciate that. How, how can they help, and what ways can they help? Well, that's great, because there's definitely room for everybody to get involved in all different kinds of ways. If you, know a if you know a child that is eligible and you're comfortable referring that child and the surviving family, that's fine. You can do that through uh, contacting us at info at echohill.org. If you know somebody or you are interested in volunteering, either during camp while the children are there, or before and after camp where we have uh, kind of large military groups come up and work on, on repairs and on getting things ready, getting the waterfront ready, you're welcome to do that. Also through our website or info at echohill.org. And at our website, echohill.org, we have a page that says you can help. If you go into that page, uh, you'll see opportunities to volunteer and also to make a donation. And this summer, the cost of funding one child at camp uh, for an entire session is $3,150. That would pay for everything, including horseback riding, meals, 
t-shirts, everything. So we're very happy. We can take the donations by PayPal or by check, no problem. We have, our, we have the official 501c3 legal status, and we have separate bank accounts, clear bank accounts for Gold Star, and we're able to uh, manage that very smoothly. Sure, but I'm, I'm sure if someone can't afford th that much, that you'll, you're, you will be happy to take any donations. We are very happy to receive all donations because then they become part of our Echo Hill family. Um, to give you some idea, we get a number of donations that are $25, $50, all very, very welcome. If somebody wants to donate in honor of a family member or in honor of someone who's been lost, they're welcome to do that, and we have an honor roll for that, and we will let the, um, the family of the, of the person who had the loss know about that. So that, that's also been, um, there's also been, I would say, half a dozen to a dozen folks very interested in that as well, to make the donation in honor, sadly, of a lost uh, grandson or lost dear friend. Marcy Friedman of Echo Hill Ranch, again, your website. It is echohill.org. Thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. We'll have more after the break. We're Bill and Allison, hillcountrypatriot.com and firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. And here's, here's Marcy's brother Kinky singing. Welcome back. I have some corrections from the New York Times. Correction, you know, you see, it's usually in the back of the paper. It'll say correction, you know, last week's edition. We ran an article and had some mistakes in it. So this is the correction that the New York Times ran. In an earlier version of this article, the given name of the actress who introduced the couple was misspelled. She is Vashnavi Sharma, not Vashmavi. <laughs> the given name of the wedding officiant was also misspelled. She is Gabra Zachman, not Dabra. Also, the author of Dracula was incorrect. He is Bram Stoker, not Jane Austen. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about as accurate as New York Times ever gets. 9.52 is our Hill Country Patriot time. You're listening to Bill and Allison, and we welcome you to be listening. Yes, we do. One thing I um, wanted to mention, too, I talked about earlier in the program uh, this week in Texas history. Roy Orbison was born in Vernon, Texas, uh, in 1936 this week. And uh, I think, I didn't research this, it just occurred to me, but um, uh, Jack Teagarden, I think, was born in Vernon as well. Hmm. Pretty sure that he was. And uh, if you don't know Jack Teagarden, fabulous uh, trombonist, uh, one of the greatest. Uh, but Roy Orbison was born in Vernon. He grew up in Wink, Texas, the tiny little town of Wink. I was going to say, I was thinking of him related to Wink. He, he Well, yeah, he went to high school in Wink, uh, Wink High School. He, uh, and uh, we met a gentleman who went to that's, high school with him. That's great. Uh, I asked him how many people in his graduating class. I think he said like eight or 12 <laughs> or something. And But Roy Orbison was in his class. He yeah. man lives in Kerrville. And... Uh, 
He told us some fascinating stories about about uh, growing up um, in high school with Roy. They were friends, and Roy Orbison wanted offered him once to teach him the guitar. <laughs> and but he said, "Well, I don't have a guitar. I'll ask my parents to buy me one," and they wouldn't. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the great family stories, but <laughs> yeah. if if only, if only, <laughs> if only. But he did manage Roy Orbison's band, uh, both in uh, high school and uh, when went to uh, college at North Texas State, uh, and. Uh, he, uh, the band was called the Wink Westerners, and Roy transformed the Wink Westerners into his first rock and roll band called the Teen Kings. <laughs> There's a little trivia for you. What was his first rock and roll band? The Teen Kings. Uh, they played throughout West Texas. They recorded Ubi Doobie, which brought him to the attention of the Sun record label in Memphis, and he re-recorded Ubi Doobie for Sun, and in 56 it became his first chart hit. You know, and uh, I've read stories about Roy Orbison. They said he was, people say he was the nicest person. You know, he wasn't inflated with himself. You know, I'm a big star. You know, you don't look at me, that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember one story. He was uh, in a recording studio, and uh, uh, one of the staff members said, Mr. Orbison, can I get you anything? You know, and a lot of them would say, yeah, I want, uh, I want M&Ms, but only blue ones. Pick out all the others. You know, uh, Roy Orbison said very meekly, he said, do you think I might have a Coca-Cola? <laughs> so, uh, great man, and what a fantastic voice. Yeah. What a fantastic voice. Today is Ingram's First Responders fundraiser. You heard, perhaps, uh, that Fredericksburg Volunteer Fire Department is having their fish fry today at Market Plots from 5 to 8. That was uh, a little spot we did uh, earlier in the program. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, today Ingram's First Responders fundraiser. They're going to have a crawfish uh, boil benefiting uh, their first responders at the Southern Sky Music Cafe in Ingram, and that's 122 Point Theater Road in Ingram. So that would be a good thing to go to. In fact, if you got time, go to both of them. Uh, support first responders in Ingram and the Fredericksburg Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, also today, the Hill Country Gun Show is going on, and that's the one in the... Again? Uh, yeah, well, you know, can't have too many guns. Uh, this is the one in the Hill Country Veterans Center. It's a small show, but it's a cool one. Uh, they have guns, ammo, more, of course. Uh, arts and crafts for the ladies. I always, uh, when I go to a gun show, I always try to buy Allison something, bring it, bring it home, because uh, then she can look forward to me going to a gun show. So that's my, uh, that's my plan. Uh, all proceeds of this gun show go to local veterans. So, uh, it's going to be today from nine to five, and then tomorrow Sunday from nine to four. And if you don't know where the Hill Country Veterans Center is, it's, it's over by the Loop. Uh, right by the uh, new uh, Dollar General over there, uh, 411 Meadowview Drive, Meadowview Lane, I'm sorry, in Kerrville. And also today, the Junction Farmer's Market is going on from 9 to 12, so you still have a couple hours to get over there. And in Comfort, the Townwide Garage Sale will be going on in Comfort Park, 8 a.m. to noon. If you don't know where Comfort Park is in Comfort, <laughs> just drive into Comfort, and you'll probably get there in about two minutes, uh, no matter which direction you go in. Uh, so that's Comfort Park from till noon today, the townwide garage sale. And finally, the second annual Ragsdale Cup is going on today uh, in Camp, at Camp Stewart in Hunt. Uh, what is that, you say? Well, they have polo players from all over Texas. And the San Antonio Polo Club, United States Polo Association members will be there. And the winning team will receive the Ragsdale Cup. It's a free event with Ample parking. Visitors are encouraged to tailgate. We're, we're out of here. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. We're Bill and Allison. We're sometimes wrong. 
but we're always right. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Here's Waylon Jennings to take us out. Well, I come from down round Tennessee, but the people in California are nice to me. America. It don't matter where I may roam, tell you people that it's home sweet home. America, America. And my brothers are all black and white, yellow too. And the red man is right to expect a little from you. Promise and then follow through. All the men who fell on the plains and who lived through hardship and pain, America, America. And the men who could not fight in a war that didn't seem right, you let them come home, America. been listening to the bill and allison mincaro show heard each saturday 9 to 10 a.m on the hill country patriots